Welcome to Guest Getter, the best place for restaurateurs to learn the art and science of getting more new guests, getting guests coming back more often, and getting guests spending more per visit so that you can be more profitable and do more of what you love. My name's Kyle Guilfoyle. Let's hit it. Today, I'm joined by Andy Freibogel, who is the founder and CEO of Science On Call, a team of science geniuses that take care of any and all restaurant technology headaches. In this episode, we're going to geek out on cool restaurant tech, Andy's favorite restaurant technology stack, the future of restaurant technology, and more. Let's get into it. Andy, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Kyle. Thank you so much for having me on. My pleasure. I thought we'd start this one a little bit differently. I want to I want to drop a value bomb because I think you're going to have an interesting answer here. And so my question is, what's the one piece of restaurant technology most establishments don't have, but absolutely should have? That's actually a great question. I think it's time to revisit captive portal Wi-Fi. Okay. So yeah, tell us more. <laughs> yeah. A manner by which to capture a customer's email address when they're on premise mm -hmm. so that you can market to them uh, when they when they need you. So uh, there have been services out there that provide guest Wi-Fi within a restaurant, but mm -hmm. they've always been doing different things than what West restaurants actually needed. You know, there, there's been this whole thing about we can capture customer traffic when you let you know when customers are going to different locations and things like that. But because um, there have been changes on uh, iOS platform as well as Android, um, things with like Mac address randomization and stuff. All of a sudden, those platforms that were there to collect customer data when they're inside the restaurant don't work as well as they used to. And they provide a lot of bells and whistles as far as marketing to customers, analytics and things like that, that restaurant owners are too busy to take advantage of or to really, you know, um, uh, you know, to, to really, you know, take action with that data and with those, the, the availability of that stuff. It needs to be more simple for restaurants and they need to have a platform that allows guests Wi-Fi when they're asking for it and just capture their email address, maybe their first name. And there are lots of marketing platforms that are very simple that have evolved that you can use to do that. But I think we're due for an overhaul for how that gets used by restaurant owners and operators. Totally, I've I've, I've always thought that, that that mechanism has has been a no brainer. Uh, what where where would you recommend restaurants go to? You know, what which platform do you recommend that they use? I don't want to knock anybody down, so I won't mention the the platforms they should not use. Um, and I don't want to make this a shameless plug for science on call. We did develop a solution to do that. And it's not proprietary. You know, it's not IP. It's like we found there's a solution we could connect with that allows customers to or restaurant owners and operators to spin this up really cost effectively. You know, so whereas this used to be the kind of thing that costs anywhere from 100 to 200 bucks a month, depending on what features were turned on, like now it should be about 25 bucks a month. So, awesome. but there, there are some others out there. I think Bbot has done some exciting stuff with, um, you know, guest engagement. 
uh, on that front. And um, you know the 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 real the real gold standard for the longest time was Zenreach, uh, but they've rebranded, and I think they've refocused how they're delivering that service because of some of those challenges presented by you know the changes to the various mobile device platforms out there. And so I think Captain Portal Wi-Fi is something that restaurants can really take advantage of because now they have so many more inbound channels for engaging with their customers as far as online ordering and all the third-party ordering and delivery integrations. Um, that's one way to really capture customer data that you might not otherwise get if you're just ordering from one of the big three or four third-party ordering and delivery platforms. Another thing that I think is really exciting that we see restaurants using um, is uh, text-based messaging. There's some really great platforms out there for communicating with your customers, if you're a restaurant, that use uh, you know, SMS. And so um, one of those that we've, we've seen some of our own customers use, and we actually used it on our help desk for a while before we got a little more sophisticated and had bigger needs than they, than they could provide, but uh, NUMA, uh, N-U-M-A, uh, used to be number AI, I think was their original name, but NUMA is a really cool platform for uh, automating SMS-based engagements with your customers and solving some simple problems about like, oh, do you want to just order from us? Here's a link, you know? And if you look at a company like Talk, you know, the uh, mm -hmm. ticket restaurant ticketing and now much bigger platform, really amazing what they've done. They started as a response to uh, the need at uh, Next or Alinea, one of those restaurants that Nick Kokonis owns, um, where he had like two or three people working full-time answering the phone to take reservations because they were so popular. <laughs> There's a big calendar they had to manage. And what Talk did was figure out a way to automate that process. And so those three people could, you know, ostensibly do, be doing something more productive other than just answering the phone. NUMA is another way to approach that solution. It's via SMS. Um, and so those are some things that I think are really simple technologies. They work on just about any telephone, like the, the Nokia <laughs> phone that has become kind of our trademark. And they allow restaurants an easy way to engage with their customers that doesn't require a lot of uh, labor, you know. Love it, love it. That's awesome. And I'd, I'd love to actually steer uh, to, to you for a, for a moment here. and. And, and I love to ask the question, how, how do you, Andy, describe your particular area of expertise or your zone of genius? Yeah, so uh, I think we should leave zone of genius out of it unless we're gonna talk about heavy metal or pizza. Those are areas in which I consider myself a genius. But- um, Amazing. Uh, as, as far as why am I doing this? Like, what's my story? What, you know, where do I fit in? It's- sure. I'll try and be concise. That's a new focus of mine. So I moved from being a bookseller into a specialty coffee roaster retailer, like assistant manager. I loved it. I stayed in coffee for a little bit. And then I got a job with a network integration company that basically did IT support on site for people. And I worked my way up. So I was just like a delivery guy. Then I learned how to do low voltage cabling, then networking, then work on computers. Then I became an account manager and I created a division for that company that was um, basically an internet service provider for big condo and apartment buildings. And I did that for like 13 years. Then 
I uh, had an opportunity to go work for Intelligentsia Coffee in Chicago as their director of IT. And so I did that job for about five years and I loved it. But what happened was they weren't opening as many stores anymore. So I didn't have that new laboratory popping up every six months where I get to reinvent the tech stack. Like, oh, there's a new point of sale system. We got to try this in the next store. Or now there's this new way to do Wi-Fi, whatever. And so I really wanted to apply that trade outside of a big company and connect with small businesses. And I thought it was just going to be retail businesses. And what happened was I gave my notice at Intelligentsia. I ran into my co-founder, Luisa Castellanos, who's our COO um, now. And she was just finishing up with school. And I'm like, hey, uh, by the way, I'm leaving my job at Intelligentsia. I want to do this. Do you want to come along for the ride? She's like, heck yes. I don't want to just leave DePaul and become like, you know, take a, a job with a big company and do what everybody else is doing. I want to get out there and innovate. And she started her first company when she was 11. So she's been a lifelong entrepreneur. And so I said, well, let's make a run at this. So we were like an IT consultancy, like a boutique IT consultancy for small retailers, coffee shops, and things like that. And all of a sudden, restaurants started to seek us out because they heard that we worked with some of the point of sale solutions they were working with, so on and so on. So then around 2018, we landed our first big restaurant customer, which was a hospitality group. And we immediately loved working with them because it was our people. It was like people who were excited about music and art and working strange hours and, you know, um, uh, hustling, but also uh, doing that dance where you, you work with customers. It's very transactional, where you work with people and every opportunity mm -hmm. is an opportunity to win. So while I had that mm -hmm. special coffee experience, hospitality experience to a certain extent, it was really only when we started working with restaurants that I realized that that we realized that was our culture. That was where we fit in. And that was where the biggest problems were. So unfortunately, I don't have the kind of story I'd like to tell, which is my parents, you know, uh, ran a little diner in, you know, where I grew up and we, they struggled and I saw them work 80 hours a week and just to make ends meet, you know, keep their customers happy. I wish I had that story. But I just had to learn, I had to write my own story when, when restaurants found us and we realized that that was a place where we wouldn't spend the rest of our time. So, so well, it's, it's a good, it's a good story. And you, you said one of the things that I, I wanted to, to ask you about, which was uh, the, the restaurant tech stack. And I would love to know if you were opening a restaurant today, could you give us a glimpse into what your restaurant tech stack would look like? Yeah. Yeah, I can. And we've got partnerships out there. So we're pretty friendly with, with multiple point of sale platforms, with multiple internet service providers, network equipment manufacturers, all that. We know that. But what I would do if I were going to open a restaurant is A, the cuisine would be either Cuban food or African food, because those are my two favorite kinds of food, the things that I like to prepare at home for my family. But um, I would probably use Toast point of sale uh, because Toast is a, a known quantity, highly reliable. I love their, uh, their, their network topology strategy, like the way that they, they want devices to be connected to the network and operate. Um, and they've got lots of built-in integrations. And so I would probably pick uh, 
two or three of the uh, main third-party ordering and delivery just to expand the market because like Grubhub has their own group of users who always go to Grubhub when they want to order food. Same with Uber Eats, same with DoorDash. So I would pick two of those partners and then I would choose a platform called Bicky, B-I-K-K-Y, to aggregate all, all of the customer data that comes from Grubhub, comes from Uber Eats, and then our own native online ordering service through Toast. And I would use Bicky to get that kind of 360 degree profile of each customer that orders from us. And I would use Bicky's marketing platform to um, uh, reach out to those customers regularly because there's a lot of data to support uh, that if you stay engaged with your customers, you can turn 70% of the people that ate in your mm -hmm. restaurant in the last 60 days or ordered from your restaurant in the last 60 days, you can turn them into lifelong customers if you just get it right. Totally. I, I love that. And if I, can, if I may drill down a little further, mm -hmm. I would use two of my own products, you know, my company's products, which are uh, Science Guest, which is our, our captive portal Wi-Fi solution. I would use Science Online, which is our failover internet solution, which means if our primary internet connection, whether it's Comcast, AT&T, or whoever, were to go down, it fails over to a backup connection automatically to make sure that we keep getting those online orders and making sure that our voice over IP telephones stay online. And um, in addition to that, I would probably use uh, Sonos for music, but I would connect it to a hardwired stereo amplifier with uh, regular old speakers. I've got good reasons for that. And um, our networking platform would be uh, uh, Ubiquity Network's Unify series because it's super solid. We use it all the time. It's um, much more cost effective than Cisco. Although if somebody gave me a blank check, I might go with Cisco as well because nobody ever got fired for choosing Cisco as their networking platform, you know. As far as like you know your router yeah. and your switches and, and your wireless access points and all that, I uh, I think the uh, the the backup internet is um, is is key. There's nothing more uh, more debilitating in a service than when the Wi-Fi goes down and your POS system is relying on it, and you gotta like phone you know phone up your ISP and this and that. So I I, I yeah that's that's a that's a great stack. Yeah, and, and internet-related issues are the top category for the number of trouble tickets that come through our platform every day. Like, first and uh, foremost. And well, that, that actually leads me to you know, uh, another question, which is I'm, I'm curious how... So you essentially provide, like, unlimited tech support. Is that, like, te technology support for, for restaurants? Um, how, like, how do you do that like how do you like what does that look like how, how do you manage it how do you deliver that service etc cetera, etc cetera? could you share that yeah so it's 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 been an evolution it started out to people would email us their problems and we'd answer them when we got to it and then when we went for our, through our first technology accelerator program we realized that we really needed to get this piece right because we didn't want to be a boots on the ground strategy where you have to send somebody out and bill for your time on site. We wanted to build something that was scalable, but also allowed us to connect with more restaurants and provide results to more restaurants because they're the hardest working people in the world. 
So we brought on our CTO. The first thing he did was spin up a proper help desk platform. You know, like we selected uh, a help desk uh, software to use so we could manage the intake of the support requests. Then what we did was we spun up telephone service. You know, like we basically connected a voice over IP line and we connected it to our desk so that when customers would call that number, we'd know who it was and uh, we could pass that phone call between the three of us because back then it was it was Louisa, Ken, and myself. And then what we decided to do was say, well, people ought to be able to text us, right? And so we connected basically an, an additional channel to our help desk software. So all of a sudden we had customers who could email us, call us, or text us. And what we found was that like, man, if we're going to charge each person, you know, each customer for the amount of time we spend on the phone, it's going to be a nightmare to bill all that. And we're going to nickel and dime each other at the end of the month. And we're like, well, we called that one time, but it was for 10 minutes to solve an issue that should have taken two minutes. And we're like, uh-uh, this needs to be a subscription-based service because that way restaurants who have tight budgets will know what they're going to spend every month. And we'll know what we need to achieve every month to make that a good account for us. And so that's driven a lot of our metrics over time. And then what's ha what happened was is that solution, the idea of paying a flat monthly fee for unlimited remote support for a, a specific set of items that we that will support, you know, it's like if if your accountant uses your brother-in-law's computer to uh, you know uh, audit your bank statements, that should not be our problem. It's really not restaurant technology. So that's out of scope for us. And we can right. refer you to good people to support that. But if your questions are about point of sale, third-party ordering delivery, internet, internal networking, Wi-Fi, music, cameras, those things fall within scope. And so a lot of that came from experimentation. We just had to basically sign up some customers, look at the ticket data, and understand what our gross margins were. That's what helped <laughs> us land on the pricing tiers that we have. But Ostensibly, the average restaurant location uses us for about 1.3 hours per month. Mm -hmm. That work is done by a team of, we call them tier one support agents, but frankly, they're like restaurant technology experts at this point. We don't mm -hmm. outsource any of that. Those are all W-2s. Those are people who work for Science on Call. Got it. Got it. So, so cool. And I, another curiosity I have is, uh, could you could you draw a parallel for us? So I, I'd love it if you could paint a picture of a restaurant who misuses tech or like their the whole tech is just like a mess compared to the restaurant who has their technology really dialed like what what like what is that are you able to you know kind of paint a bit of a picture between those two characters yeah so that's a it's a good question um because if a restaurant is getting technology really wrong Sometimes it's for a reason that's going to preclude them from working with us. So we don't get to encounter those people. But I'll tell you what, there are a lot of, rest, the restaurant technology stack revolves around the point of sale system. That's like their ERP solution. That's where like all the inputs and all the outputs revolve around point of sale. And there are some great solutions for restaurant point of sale systems. And there are some bad ones. The great ones sell themselves, which means 
They've got platforms where people can log in, see a demo, sign up, get assigned an account rep maybe. It's all very inbound. With the exception of Toast, it has a pretty robust outbound sales team. But the people who actually knock on restaurant doors the most often are bankers who want to sell them credit card processing because they make a sliver of money from every credit card transaction. And they can build up these big books of business that are worth a lot. And they don't have to do any work for it. So what happens is they're all they're trying to do is sell credit card processing. So they'll say like, oh, you need a point of sale system. Well, here's the one that we're allowed to sell because it's integrated with our payments platform. And the one that gets sold a lot is not a very good point of sale solution. So what happens is they're just hacking around all of its inefficiencies and all its shortcomings. They're doing stuff like connecting it to their store Wi-Fi, you know, like the the, the Wi-Fi that's already there. Um, they're trying to make Bluetooth printers work in the kitchen to print out tickets when it's time to make something. Like there's a lot of that. And it's driven by aggressive salespeople or bank representatives who are just trying to sell something that allows them to make a lot, take a lot of money out of the business, but not put any effort into it. Well, I, I, I think we, we, we got, we got to let the audience know what, uh, what is that one that gets sold the most that we should steer clear of? I would say that point of sale is not a very good uh, point of sale system for restaurants. Okay. It's great for retail and small markets. And I've seen really good implementations of Clover, and it has some features that really excite me. But if I look at the customers who call us with the most expensive problems, some of which can't really be resolved remotely, my experience thus far is they're customers. Got it. Now, that's good to know. That might not be fault. That might be the fault of the person who just wanted to get their credit card processing business to make those residuals. And, you know, when uh, every every tool in your bag is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't really don't want to get sued by today or their owners, but that, that's been a, a problem that I've experienced. But it's, it more points yeah. to it is those people, those people trying to sell credit card processing aren't good restaurant technology partners. They're just payment processing people that want to make money. That's how we stand out. We're, we're objective. We're platform agnostic. We don't have anything to sell people. We just want to help. So that's why I think we're qualified to, to make those proclamations. <laughs> no, I, 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 that's why I'm asking these questions, because I think you have a, a, you know, a unique, uh, a broad you know, scope from which you can uh, source uh, these insights. So uh, one thing I did want to, I, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about your thoughts on the future of restaurant technology, especially when we have this convergence of Web3 and Metaverse and blockchain and all that stuff. And so I'm wondering if you could, uh, if, if you have any predictions on that front. Yeah, I have for some time thought that maybe five years out, if not 10 years out, the point of sale system as we know it is going to start to disappear from restaurants. Like you walk into a restaurant, you look at beyond the bar, there's two terminals. You look at the front counter, there's one terminal. You look at this, the server stations, there's terminals, there's printers. I feel like a lot of that is going to disappear over time. 
And a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, uh, a restaurant's, the physical restaurant's awareness of the customer. Are there devices, are there technologies that'll get installed that'll tell us like, hey, my phone is broadcasting who I am pretty much at this point. So if I walk into an establishment, either a Bluetooth beacon or a, a, a wireless access point sees that device, walk in and connect, it knows who I am. So at that point, can't we dispense with all the pleasantries about, hey, there's a human being here and we know their name and we actually probably know what they want to order because it's the, the same thing every time he comes in. So I think that's going to change the front of house interactions. But once that falls into place, well, at that point, we don't need a human being to sit there, take dictation and enter the items I want on a menu if there's already an electronic conversation occurring that's automated and informing the restaurant's you know, brain that, hey, here's this person. We know, who they, we know who he is. We know what he wants. We may as well just send that order to the kitchen. We don't need to print it out someplace. We don't need to type in what it is. You know. So I think we're going to get there. And I think that's going to drive the disappearance of point of sale hardware from the front of house. But it's been slow to see that start to develop. I think blockchain and crypto are actually going to drive that faster. And there's a really good example of that. And boy, I'm kicking myself for not getting their name right. But I think it's the Fly Fish Club in uh, New York, um, which is the first like NFT driven you know, hospitality establishment. I think it's people like that where it sounds nuts to us because like we're, you know, I'm from, you know, Chicago. I'm a Midwesterner. I'm simple. I like meat and potatoes. New York is very sophisticated. I get it. It feels a little overbuilt, some of what they're doing, but it's pretty exciting. And those are the kinds of people that will probably make this happen. But then also you got to remember that we don't even know what technologies are going to come to market in the next two or three years. And the places that you can see them are like some of these amazing accelerator programs. Like, you know, the first one that we did was um, uh, sponsored by RelishWorks through the corporate innovation hub of Gordon Food Service, like the, one of the biggest broadline dis distributors of food in the United States. Um, they, the, the Food Foundry Accelerator helped us decide who we were going to be. And then we actually went and did the Techstars Accelerator program, the Farm to Fork program in St. Paul. My whole team relocated to St. Paul for the summer just so we could work with people at Techstars and figure out the company that we're going to become, you know, a scalable automated platform to support restaurants. And there's a few other accelerator programs. Those are two that I think like the... Um, the company that builds that connector between Web3 and the metaverse and all that, and mm -hmm. what restaurant technology looks like today, it's going to come out of one of those two accelerators because those those are the people that know how to find that talent, recruit it, and help turn them into the companies that they need to be in order for that to be a ubiquitous shift. Super cool! I I, I love that, I'll, and I'll definitely check out those accelerators. Uh, Andy, I like to finish with a a rapid fire round of questions that are kind of random. Are you, are you up for that? Yeah. As long as it, nothing as hard as, is calling out uh, a point of sale solution that I think could crush us under their thumb. So <laughs> anything to prevent I'll, more losses would be great. I'll, I'll try my best. And we, we could always edit that out if it's, uh, if you're, if you're really concerned, but um, okay. So I think we'll be okay here. What is your favorite cocktail? Uh, mezcal, neat in a glass. 
I, I, I respect that. I, I, that's, that's my, it's definitely my favorite spirit. My favorite cocktail would be a Mezcal Negroni. Um, but that's I, I love it. That's good. I did keto for a while. I discovered mm -hmm. Mezcal had zero carbs in it and it just became mm -hmm. my go-to forever. And so people know that about me, if they know me at all, which is like, oh, Andy likes Mezcal and he doesn't drink cocktails. So. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And, um, what is your favorite online productivity tool? It's either got to be G Suite or Slack. It's probably Slack because oh, everything in our company and about the way we interact with people is communication and just like a rapid fire platform to, you know, share ideas and, and get real time feedback. Nothing excites me more than that. Awesome. And I, I think you may have kind of answered this one, but uh, I want to ask what course or resource has had the biggest impact on you? Techstars Farm to Fork. Uh, the accelerator program. I mean, it's like a business class. It's like an MBA in three months, I think. Uh, but um, nothing has been more impactful on our business than that than going through that together as a team of founders. Awesome. And what what book do you find yourself either referencing or gifting the most often? Oh, that's a good one. I'm I'm not the avid reader I wish I was, especially because I'm an English major. Um, if there's a book that I've purchased and given to people more than others, it is probably Things Fall Apart um, by Chinua Achebe. It's, it's, it's one of the 10 greatest novels of all time um, written by uh, the uh, Nigerian uh, superstar author Chinua Achebe. Awesome. And when I say 2022 goals for Andy, what is the first one that comes to mind? Um, democratize fast access to uh, technology resolutions for a thousand restaurant locations. Beautiful. And Andy, is there anything I should have asked you, but I didn't? You, I, I, I never feel like I, I, I talk about my team enough. And so mm -hmm. can, I, can I make a mention of my team? Yeah, yeah, of course. So between uh, Luisa Castellanos, who's our COO and the, the first co-founder of science, and then Ken Tsang, who's our CTO, um, you know, I'm absolutely blessed to work with like the most brilliant, hardworking founders that manage to make it fun all the time. But I really want to shout out to our support agents because they're, um, they're an amazing group of people, uh, Aiden, Amara, Jeremy, Cameron, Rebecca, um, who show up every day with one goal. And it's like, how can I save a restaurant? How can I reduce the anxiety for a restaurant that's already dealing with a lot and make this one part of their day easier? And they pull it off just like 150 times a day sometimes. It's just amazing. And I'm just so in awe of them that uh, that's what motivates me every day is just to see that team solve problems for restaurant owners and operators who are absolutely the most amazing and hardworking people in the world. That's awesome. And finally, Andy, where, where, should, uh, where should people go to, to, to learn more about you and to uh, possibly connect with you? Yeah, um, check out our website, scienceoncall.com. Um, you can find us on Twitter, and on Instagram as well. 
We like to prove to people that uh, we get out there in the world and actually eat at the restaurants that we, we serve. So, um, you know, both of those are uh, at Science on Call, S-C-I-N-S-E-I-E-N-C-E-O-N-C-A-L-L. Um, but yeah, hit us up. Like we, we'd love to hear from people. We're very easy people to get a hold of. Um, and uh, we want to hear people's stories. We want to hear what we can do to make things easier for our restaurant customers. And, and uh, we're open to any and all ideas all the time. Awesome. Well, Andy, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been great to have you. We will catch you soon. All right. Fantastic. Kyle, thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Guest Getter. I'm your host, Kyle Guilfoyle. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. As always, you can head over to guestgetter.co to check out the resources in this episode's show notes and sign up for our weekly newsletter. That is it for today. We'll see you next time.